Okay, how many recognize that? Yes, yes. Jesus Christ Superstar. Andrew Lloyd Webber's very, very popular musical in the mid-70s caused a lot of controversy. I remember as a vicar, I had it as a study for our youth group, and I had parents calling me and other members saying it's terrible. I said, well, you know, it's misunderstood, but actually it raises a very good question. It really does. The chorus line, as you heard, as the musical concludes, Judas, who's singing as the lead, says, Jesus Christ, superstar, who are you? What have you sacrificed? This question has been asked of Jesus since he stood before Pontius Pilate many years ago. It has been said that Jesus Christ is either the greatest liar of the world, an insane lunatic, or he is who he claims to be, the Lord. He can only be one of those three. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. No matter what one thinks about Jesus, what the musical says is true. He is a superstar. No human being in history has influenced and affected more people than this man from Nazareth, Yeshua, Jesus. He claims to be the Son of God. He claims to be the Anointed One, the Christ, who was sent from the Father to redeem us, to die for our sins, and whose life gives life to the world. If you think of those claims, it's no wonder that some people would say he's an outright liar, his followers are liars, or he is absolutely out of his mind. But for those of us who believe in his incarnation, His life, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ is Lord. And everything that he claims to be is true. There's a touching story that comes from the highlands of Scotland. My wife and I, several years ago, were were privileged to go there. Beautiful, beautiful area of the world. Stories about a poor widow and her child. She was threatened with eviction. And so she decides to take this trip on foot through the highlands. It was about 10 miles, and it had to go over a mountain pass. When she left, it was very balmy. It was mild. But as it so often happens in the Scottish highlands, the weather turned on her. By the time she reached the summit, it was a blinding blizzard. She never reached destination. When people were sent out to find her, they found her face down in the snow, almost naked, dead. In a sheltered nook of the rocks near her, they found her small child. He was safe and wrapped in the clothes of his mother. She died that he might live. We heard the prophet Isaiah centuries before Jesus was born write these words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried 
our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah bears witness to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. He is the one who was born our griefs and carried our sorrows. In the early church, as it developed what we would call the essence of the Christian faith, we call that the Apostles' Creed, the first and primary creed of the church. In the second article of this creed, in a most succinct and direct manner, the church, you and I, confess the truth of Jesus. Say these words with me on the screen. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. This Jesus of Nazareth was born in the backwaters of the Roman Empire in the province of Palestine during the raids of King Herod of Judea, and Caesar Augustus of Rome. He was a carpenter by trade and became an itinerant preacher, homeless. He healed people. The religious aristocracy saw him as a threat. He was put to death under a sentence by Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, during the reign of the mighty Tiberius Caesar of Rome. He was taken outside of the walls of the city of Jerusalem and strung up on a cross to die on a place called the skull. This man, Jesus of Nazareth, the church claims is the Son of the living God, the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Our faith is not a faith based on philosophies or ways of life. It's not based on some religious principles. The Christian faith is anchored in the man Jesus of Nazareth, and his claims to be the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God, who offered himself for the sins of the world and whose resurrection brings life and a new creation. That is the witness and the essence of the Christian life, and everything flows in having a personal relationship with Jesus to know him. And I don't know of any explanation of the creed that is so powerful as Martin Luther's explanation in his second article of the Creed. Read these beautiful words with me. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, 
but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocence, suffering, and death, that I may be his own. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to die? The Scriptures tell us very clearly to bring us out of slavery. Notice what Luther says. He purchased us not with gold or silver. We were all enslaved to the power of sin. And the power of sin and the effects of sin is death. And the Scriptures consign this place to the principalities and the powers of darkness. That there is true evil in the world. And there is a working of evil, the power of the devil, as Luther calls him. We were enslaved. And what we could not free ourselves from, nor anyone else, Jesus did. He conquered our sin by conquering our death through his death. This is the great mystery of the Christian faith. The Scriptures teach us that everyone since the fall of Adam and Eve, all humanity, are enslaved to the powers of sin and darkness and cannot free themselves. Sin, according to Scripture, is the fundamental rejection of God as God. We want control of our own lives, of our own destinies, We want to be Lord of our lives. We want to be God. The story of the fall of the garden and in this wonderful painting that is found in the Vatican, one can see the sorrow of Adam and Eve as they were exiled because they had turned away from friendship with God, from walking with Him, Exiled from his presence, humanity was plunged into darkness and despair. You see the despair on the faces of the first humans, Adam and Eve. My brothers and sisters, if you know anything about the history of humanity, it is a history of how humans are inhuman to each other. Think of the wars and the carnage that sin and humans have brought to each other the millions and millions of deaths, the misuse of God's good creation, the beautiful creation that we heard last week in that beautiful homily that Pastor Davis preached. Human beings misuse their very powers and abilities. The very gifts given to us by God have been used to turn us against God and each other. Human sin has brought nothing but misery to the human race. There has been division and disharmony from the very beginning, and instead of the beauty, there has been the ugliness. Another name for sin would be selfishness. Sin takes the disguises of greed. It has the face of anger and hatred. Sin is manifested when we desire personal pleasure and we seek and grab it at the expense of another. Even the pity parties we can throw for ourselves 
Oh, woe is me. I, you know, look what's happening to me. The turning inward. Even that is a manifestation of our self-consuming love or despair. We have lost what it means to be human in a disease that the Scriptures labels as sin. We don't even know what it means to be a human anymore. Someone who has been made in the very image of God. Our culture, I find it ironic, thinking that we want to be Lord and God. Do you realize even now in American and Western culture, we can make a choice to be a male or a female, a man or a woman? It's my choice, not what God has given me, but my choice. Is that not the height of arrogance? Isn't that another Tower of Babel? This is the knot of sin, the knot which strangles the human race that not one person in this world can undo. No matter how hard we try, no matter what philosophy or religious principles we follow, no matter how good we are or earnest and sincere, the Scripture says we cannot by our power or strength undo the knot that strangles us. The Scriptures basically say this, that we were dead in our trespasses, cut off from the very life of our Creator. But what we could not do, God did. Because there, even in the fall, was a promise of a Redeemer. One who will be born of a woman. And God entered this world through the womb of a virgin, betrothed, engaged to a man named Joseph. And the woman's name was Mary of Nazareth. God so loved us that he sent his begotten son, his only begotten son, into the world to undo the knot, to disarm the powers of evil, to do what no human being born in the natural order of things could ever do, to redeem us, enslaved to sin and the powers of death. The Apostle Paul writes these beautiful words. You heard them moments ago. The Son of God emptied Himself by taking the form of a slave. Think of that. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus became a slave to redeem slaves, you and me. He became fully human with one exception. No sin. He is flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. 
the creator of all things through whom all creation, the power of the word of God, as John says in his gospel, that through the word all things were created. This living word of God became flesh and blood. The creator becomes a creature with us through the womb of Mary. To drink the cup of human despair to take the chalice of death. Our Lord Jesus would taste death on the cross for each one of us, for all human beings for all time. His sacrifice, once and for all, is the eternal love of God so that He could offer us in this Eucharist today, the chalice of the blood of his life. In one of the most remarkable and some consider the most appalling statements that Jesus ever claimed, in the synagogue at Capernaum, he would say this, my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. No wonder some left him. He's out of his mind. But the body and blood of the Son of God offered on the cross for the forgiveness of sins is offered every time the holy sacrifice is remembered and celebrated in the Eucharist. Is it no wonder that the earliest fathers of the church would call the Eucharist of the communion in the body and blood, the flesh and blood of Jesus, to be the medicine of life, the medicine which heals the cancer of sin and death? For Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. One of my favorite liturgies of the church that comes to us from ancient times, we know at least in the second century, the great vigil of Easter. As the faithful gather to celebrate the Passover of Christ from death to life, this particular prayer is recited. And every time I hear it, or whether I'm praying it as the celebrant, I get emotional. This is what the prayer says. To ransom a slave, you gave away your son. That is the gift that our Father has given to us. So great is His love for us. On the cross upon which Jesus lay dying, nailed there, stretched between heaven and earth, He would say a word that will echo for all time that heals everyone who believes it. A word that we never deserved. 
he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Instead of speaking hatred and spite, instead of wanting to get even, our Lord prays for us. He offers us healing and forgiveness. So what is the answer to the question? Jesus Christ, superstar. Who are you? What have you sacrificed? Let's read together the words of Dr. Luther. He is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own My brothers and sisters, this is our confidence. This is our hope. This is our life. The love of God. That Jesus Christ belongs to me and I belong to him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.